Hello, welcome to the podcast. Today we are talking about Lanza Flight 508. Thanks for listening. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you good. doing? I'm doing well. Good. I'm doing pretty well. So what I was thinking was we would explain why the audio quality that uh like your current audio quality is so good. Yeah. Whereas maybe it will be less good in these two episodes. <laughs> so yeah definitely yeah, so <laughs> mariah you sound great <laughs> thanks casey i got a new mic you did get a new mic my, the current situation that we were using before in the past couple of episodes wasn't working out and you wanted to bring your absolute best to this yeah. podcast always the best for the pod crashed always the best for our always. beloved listeners yes but then you bought this mic and it wasn't working. <laughs> and then it wasn't working. And but we, we recorded, know. I think, two episodes with this mic without realizing that it didn't work. And we couldn't figure it out. And then my beloved husband figured it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so now we're here and hopefully it sounds good to you. Yeah. After the next two episodes, so there's this episode yeah. and there's the other episode that will sound so stick with us. A little quiet, exactly. <laughs> so sounds worth sticking around to me, Mariah. <laughs> Amazing. That's our that's our tagline. Yep, that's it. <laughs> nothing to do with po- nothing to do with podcasts or plane crashes. Nope just just friendship just friendship <laughs> just That's friendship but, oh, perfect. perfect thank you love you love you too good well hi mari hi hi casey yeah <laughs> hi so today we're talking about lanza flight 508 um this uh, flight took place in 1971. Um, it's an Al-Lakid L-188A. Uh, the flight is flying from Lima to Pucallpa. Um, Lanza is the national airline of Peru. Um, as you are aware, certainly, um, most of Peru is rainforest, right? It's part of the Amazon. And um, this flight is going to bring them deeper into a city that's deeper into the Amazon. It's Christmas Eve, December 24th, and the flight is seven hours late. So everybody is getting right. Everybody's getting crazy. They're dying to just get home to wherever they're getting. It's Christmas Eve. They just want to get home. And the... Uh, Lanza, like the actual company, is aware that it's a problem that they're running so far behind, right? They're running behind at the airport. The people who work at the airport just want the plane plane to go. The pilots just want the plane to go. The pilots want to get where they're going too, right? They have plans for Christmas. Right. It's a nightmare. And I will tell you, dear listeners, that probably the worst day of my life, no, the second worst day of my life working in aviation was the year that... You may remember where there were tornadoes on Thanksgiving Day in Atlanta. 
So in Delta's hub, and I worked for Delta at the time, and people were crazy. Like people were, it was, I mean, it was just the worst day. People, people turn into different people on holidays and right. flights are late and just like flying on holidays in general. Right. It's so, so true. It's or so like true. The day before holidays. Usually like, I don't know, have you ever flown like on a Thanksgiving or a Christmas or... I have, I I have, but it's true that like on the holiday, like working the holiday isn't nearly as bad as working no, the day before yeah. the holiday. Yeah. yeah, it's nightmarish, but it was <laughs> like people were just so so angry, and there's nothing you can do, right? right? Like that's the thing. Anybody that you can physically see at the airport does not have control mm-hmm. over whether or not your flight takes off. None of them are God, and so we <laughs> cannot change the weather. But also, we just have no say in it. And again, do you really want to pressure your pilot to fly into a tornado? Is that what you want? Will that get you home? So in 1971, I guess they decided to roll the dice on that and Mm. said um, there were um, severe thunderstorms. I mean, I think that obviously rainforests have a ton of precipitation in general, but there can be some like, you know, truly unbelievable thunderstorms right Mm. Uh, like being over the ocean it seems like it could just be incredible and incredibly intense thunderstorms um so are they flying over the ocean no i'm sorry so they they're flying over the over the rainforest right right. okay i guess i'm just like comparing like i think of like ocean storms as being unparalleled and i guess in the most literal way ocean storms are unparalleled right because it's a hurricane um but the rainforest i guess has the like can well it's mountainous terrain it's this and that so the potential for like a truly incredibly uh intense thunderstorm is is very present so they decide to go for it so they take off uh seven hours late and uh there was a lot of pressure um, from the company on the pilots but the crew wanted to get where they were going to so there's and they also their um like pay their job security their their bonuses yeah. all of that it's not just bonuses right but their their job security is affected by their willingness to do what the bosses want and the bosses just want the plane to go so as they're flying they um, become aware that there is a thunderstorm, a thunder and lightning storm ahead of them. And they decide to, I mean, they're in the air already. They're over the rainforest. Like mm-hmm. they'd have to turn around and go back to get away from it. So they just keep flying into it. Um, it's important to mention that like you, it does happen. Like you may have had the experience of flying through a lightning storm or a thunderstorm. Mm-hmm. Um it is possible like planes do get struck by lightning and everybody's fine like there it's not totally impossible right it's it's i mean everybody's fine is probably a, a over simplification right. because obviously it can really mess up the controls of the aircraft it can cause all kinds of problems but it does happen and almost every time it happens everybody's fine um wind is a arguably in most circumstances like wind can be even uh like updrafts downdrafts like there's more dangerous things that a thunderstorm can cause so as they're like entering this like 
black wall of storm, right? They um, start to get like tossed around, right? They're getting tossed around pretty badly. um, And they're having a difficult time, like keeping, maintaining control of the aircraft, but they are, they're fine. Um, And they're like maneuvering through the um, turbulence is getting more and more extreme so severe turbulence right like to say if you're if you use that phrase severe turbulence i guess what that's meant to indicate is that you have momentary loss of control of the aircraft right not full loss of control but if you have a second in there where you get bumped out where you're the plane's not going where you're telling it to go then that's what severe turbulence is so thankfully that's like a pretty unusual experience right like when you have really bad i've had some very bad turbulence in my life absolutely yeah um but i don't know if i've ever experienced something where like the pilots actually had you know even even a three second loss of control thankfully i don't think i have either yeah um and then again lightning planes are designed i (laughs) this was the 70s and this was the national air like airline of peru so i have no idea if they were designed to um, handle thunderstorms or lightning strikes, but um, the like plane is maneuvering through, right? The turbulence is getting more and more extreme. Wait, and I'm then, sorry, did you say how many people were on board? Do you know? If you, if no, you, I didn't. Oh, I'm glad that you, it's 91. 91 okay. Nope, 92. Okay. 92 people. Oh, 92. Pardon me. So 92. Yeah, I'm very glad that okay. you said that. So there are 92 people on board. They're keeping it together. They're flying through the thunderstorm. They're getting shaked around, but they're they're doing it. And then the plane is struck by lightning and disintegrates in the air. Oh my gosh. It completely disintegrates. So it falls like apart. The, actual the plane nose itself. The body of the plane disintegrates. And everybody falls oh. out of the sky. That is horrifying. Into the rain. Into the friggin' rainforest. Into the rainforest. Oh my word. And then 20 hours later, Juliana Koke wakes up in the rainforest. No. In her seat. Someone survived? This is a twist story. I know, I was like, this so, is pretty early for the... This is like, no, okay, we're yeah, done. Aviation we're done. Is, Bye. No, aviation is right. done for the rest of the episode. This is a twist. So, Juliana Koka... Wait, 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 sorry. How high were they no, it's at okay. this point? 24,000 feet. She fell 24,000 feet and survived. In her chair. So, later what they've decided what must have happened is as her chair was completely thrown free of the plane... Like, at, at once it was, it, I mean, it disintegrated around her. There's no longer a plane there. Oh As that happened, her seat um, stayed upright, A, and B, spun like a helicopter, basically, which obviously was a not pleasant experience for her at all. But it spun, and that slowed everything down. She fell through the trees. Um, she was awake for a second when this happened. She was aware of it. And... 
she said that she could see the rainforest below her and it just she was so high up as you know if you've ever looked out the window on a plane it just looked like you know cauliflower or broccoli like that's how she described it It just was so far beneath her and she remembers she remembers that and then she lost consciousness and she woke up 20 hours later oh my god and she knows she woke up 20 hours later because her watch still worked so (laughs) handy um so when when she became aware so she doesn't remember waking up but she like came to awareness and by the time she was aware she had unbuckled herself so she had been awake at either at some point before that or for a while before she like I don't know I guess her brain clicked on all the way right because she's just had an inconceivable experience the amount of trauma that her brain just experienced yeah so Juliana Kopke graduated from high school yesterday She had her senior prom two nights before. Her mom uh, and she and her mom were flying to meet uh, her dad. Um, that's why they were going to Pukulpa. Um, So she's alone. She's wearing a little yellow mini dress that's very oh. short. She can't see very well and her glasses fell off. So she's pretty blind. She's got one sandal. Jeez. She's a high yeah. schooler. She's a sweet little baby. So she um, can't see. She's got one sandal. Her collarbone is broken. She has a really bad gash on her arm on that side. And um, she's got, you know, she's banged up. She's scraped up. In the middle um, of the rainforest with her, only a dress. In the, exactly. With nothing else. Just rained. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Actually, specifically it started to rain again well she, it is the rain she tipped the seat. right she tipped the seat over crawled underneath it like a little oh. hut or a little yeah. den and fell asleep again passed oh. out again she woke up and wanted to see if she could find her mom right so she'd been on the plane with her mom and her mom is was terrified of flying Right. Her mom was very, very, very afraid of flying. And she said that when they were getting tossed around, like her mom was was nervous. And she was like telling her mom not to worry. And then there had been some moment or some sound or some particular bump. And she said that her mom had said in a completely, completely calm voice, like, that's it. Now we're going to die. And then like that's that was the last thing but it's it it she wanted to see if she could find her mom so she starts to look around for her mom now juliana's instincts are excellent actually because she didn't like strike off into the rainforest right she did exactly what you're supposed to do in a situation like this which is stay where you are right let people come to you so she is you know in the there was like very little other wreckage immediately by her she found a bag of candy and yeah one bag of candy i know and she um starts looking around she as she's searching she comes across um just like general warning there's some gruesome imagery here so she came upon three people still strapped into their row 
and their chairs had all stayed connected to one another. But they had landed. So here's the gruesome part. They had landed head first. And it had buried them into the ground. The force had forced them into the ground three feet. So only like their legs were visible. And she could see that one of the people was a woman and was afraid that it was her mother. And she said that she went over to look and she was, you know, very, very worried that it was her mom. And she noticed that the woman had painted toenails and her mom never painted her toenails. And she said that she felt like a wash of relief, but then felt very ashamed. Um, And that's kind of the birth of that survivor's guilt um so just the the fact that she i mean this is she's a baby right like you can't how do you even begin to process that especially in the moment when you're right also trying to survive right like right in those in that situation in those uh, conditions so she plans to wait right she's she's expecting that there's either other survivors or she's going to find her mom or they're going to come rescue them and she can hear uh, helicopters overhead um, but the canopy is completely uh, completely blocking the sky you know she can't see the helicopters and they definitely can't see her and the thing is, again, because the plane disintegrated, it's not like there's a crater where, like, the plane crashed, right? right? Yeah, there is no plane. There's it, exactly there's just the seats, bits yeah. everywhere. So after she stops hearing the helicopters, after she doesn't, you know, after a while, she doesn't hear helicopters anymore. They stop coming back, and she realizes that they think everyone is dead and they're not coming back. So here's where we learn a little bit more about Juliana Koke. So she is a, um, her parents, how can I say this? So Juliana Koke has very cool parents. Her mom, who unfortunately had died and whose body she did not find at that time, um, was a world famous ornithologist. And her dad is a world famous zoologist and they had raised her in the amazon good job mom and dad so oh can you imagine how cool that would be like being homeschooled in amazon because your parents are amazing scientists so she wasn't afraid of the jungle in the same way that any other person might be she like knew she had a sense of like what to watch out for what was less dangerous um, for example, like she was seeing, she could tell she can't see very well. Again, that's like a big part of this. She's anybody who wears glasses, like imagine just you've got one shoe. So you can't, you can't, you, your legs are basically completely exposed, your arms, you're injured and yeah. you can't see. But she's aware that there are like crocodiles, like drifting in and out of the water. But she knew that in all likelihood, they're not going to bother her. So she just chose not to worry about it. She was much more worried about snakes. So she, every time she took a step, she would like put her shoed foot out and like push around, like grope around on the ground and then take a step. And then so one step at a time, slowly, slowly, 
she decides to try to find something, right? So at this time in 1971, um, the entire population of the entire Amazon rainforest was 200,000 people. Okay. So I guess like population density, I mean, it's extremely sparse, right? So, but like, what's she going to do, right? She's got to do something. So she doesn't have any tools to like try and gather food. She can't fish or hunt or um, build anything, right? She's just needs to walk somewhere and hope that someone so exactly so the plan she lands on is she's going to uh follow the very small stream that she had found hoping it would lead to a bigger stream hoping it would lead to a bigger stream hoping it would lead to something so she decides to just start following the river um, a little side note, because I looked into this a little bit. So in general, I think that that's advice we hear a lot that, you know, follow a river until you find yeah. something. Um, and that is like good advice, except apparently, so you're supposed to follow it downstream everywhere in the world, except in deserts. So if you're, for example, in Africa, there's a little, little freebie tip in deserts or in places like Africa, particularly, um, rivers rather than following them downstream you should follow them upstream because at some point in the desert the river will just dry up and there won't be any more river so um but she knows to follow it yeah that's what you do in africa right so she knows she needs to follow it yeah downstream so she starts following it she's got a little bag of candy she like carefully rationed it And her only nutrients is candy. Exactly. A little bit of candy, right? So she walks and walks so, so slowly. Like, like, like grope, grope with her foot, walk. Like, like check, check, walk, check, check, walk. She's can barely see. She said that she didn't see any snakes. And like later she said that, um, how can I say this? That she thinks that in all likelihood she must have seen snakes but she didn't she couldn't see them right so they didn't scare her um but that was what she was most concerned about were snakes like she was aware that that was the most dangerous thing she could encounter she walked for 10 days day after day after day after day after day by herself during this time that gash in her arm had started to again gross imagery started to um uh host maggots and she just kind of just like ignored it just kept going there's nothing she can do about it essentially she's starving exactly and she thought i'm gonna lose this arm that was what she decided she just in her mind she said i'm gonna lose this arm so I'm not going to worry about it. It's gone anyway. I just mean, what a gone. mindset. Um, like, you just fell 24,000 feet. Right. Like, I... Right. The day yeah. after you graduated from high school. On Christmas. <laughs> on Christmas. Right. Like, like <laughs> it's too much. Wow. Uh, so, 
she's starting to it's extremely hot sometimes and extremely cold sometimes she hasn't had anything to eat the quality of the water i guess is probably probably pretty questionable right um oh (laughs) probably that i mean flint like malaria you can take medicine for right or like giardia or whatever you can take and honestly again she was raised in the amazon so she may she may well be used to oh no actually i think she was totally fine with the water now that i think about it because she was not drinking out of the river she knew to drink out of like to um consume the rainwater on the leaves so it was much better than flint michigan actually because it was distilled rainwater exactly so but besides that like she didn't have anything to eat she didn't have anything to eat like she didn't gather or harvest anything because she knows that most of it's poisonous um so she's starting to like have light hallucinations right which she expected like she had expected that and like when she would have them she would just kind of like Boop, keep going like yep of course i'm having hallucinate like little mild like twinges and stuff so she's walking she sees the water has gotten deeper and deeper right she followed that creek to like a bigger creek to a bigger creek and she sees a boat and she thinks like i'm hallucinating but she wanders over to it and she touches it and it's a real boat. Thank God. So she walks up the riverbank, and there's like a hut, like a little cabin hut, and no one's there. It's empty, but there's a tub of gasoline yeah. sitting outside. And she remembered when she was a kid in the rainforest with her dad. Her dad, they'd had a dog that had gotten like, um, maggoty maggoty little injury (laughs) i'm not sure what to call it and that he had poured kerosene on it so she sucked the gasoline into her mouth and spat it onto her shoulder and to her arm where her injury was and watched all of the maggots like wriggle out and then she sat there for a little while pulling maggots out of her arm a will to live yeah. What a will <laughs> to live. Like, Ugh. what were you doing 10 days after you graduated from high school? Not that. Not no, that. I was, like, I was, like, in a beach in Florida. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was in Lockport, probably, hanging out yeah. with my boyfriend. Like, like not pouring gasoline driving on my maggot arm to after surviving falling 24,000 feet. It's unfathomable. So, it's kind of, this is like a little funny to me. She goes into the hut. And again, nobody's there. It's it's not. It's like a hunting hut, right? It's not a, or a fishing hut. Maybe it's not someone's permanent home. So she goes in and tries to lay on the floor. There was a tarp in there, and she tried to lay on the tarp. Um, but it, the ground was, or like the floor of the cabin was too hard after sleeping on like the dirt and like the riverbank for that long. So she went back to the riverbank and slept on the ground. Oh, <laughs> right. So she um, woke up the next day um, and three men had like found her. Like she woke up um, either because she heard them talking or they found her or whatever. But when they saw her, 
um, they thought she was a spirit, right? She's totally ragged in this skimpy, dirty dress. She had blonde hair, um, which the water spirits um, that are meant to live in that area appear quite like her. White skin, blonde hair. (laughs) Exactly, bingo. So they think she's a water spirit. And a good thing, she was raised in the rainforest, speaks fluent Spanish, starts saying, I'm not a water spirit. And she also understood what they thought she was, right? I'm not. She's like, actually, I'm a high schooler (laughs) who fell out of a plane. (laughs) Like, and so they um, gave her food and um, brought her to whatever the nearest town or village was, wherever they got to her, um, her, wherever they brought her to. Um, she was able to, like, she, so she came back to town. I just think about, like, her dad, like, like, her dad. I mean, like, she lost her mother, and he lost his wife, obviously, but I just cannot imagine getting, like, her right. back Yeah, her dad's I mean, perspective, and process, actually, fun. I mean, not, like, you know, the full cycle, but. No, sure. I mean. And then to see her, like, right? No, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm speechless. I am, I can't even. Yeah, and actually, when you talk about that, so she was able to direct them to the, like, to a more accurate location where they could recover people's bodies and recover parts of the aircraft and stuff. So she ultimately actually provided a lot of closure yeah. to the families of the people, the other 91 people on board. Um, so she made it back. She didn't lose her arm. She um, didn't have any like permanent oh. physical damage. Um, and now she is Perfect. a scientist, I think. I think she and I think that I know she's like does motivational speaking and like has a, a book and stuff that she's written um did they but were they um were they peruvian or were they american they were i think dutch german they were german wow so should have led with that but um she is a mammalologist great yeah she works at uh she's a university professor and world okay. famous mammalologist in so. all aspects yeah I am yes she does <laughs> no lizard pleased to hear that nothing like that those three men did not do i thought exactly the same thing i thought like, exactly the same oh, thing that would that's too much that's too much yeah yeah wow yeah yep they just fed her Good and job. brought her to town so that is the story of Lanza oh, Flight 508. Incredible. Stay tuned for more after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
a little it's twist. Astounding. I mean, I am in um, shock. Like, I think the craziest thing about this whole experience with this podcast is like, I obviously I've never heard a lot of these stories, and it just gets amazing. Like every single one is just like independently incredible. I, I mean, I yeah. love telling you stories so much, and I also find it to be an excellent opportunity to talk about how companies shouldn't force their pilots or their airline crews or anybody to um, do anything dangerous. And there is still pressure. I mean, they put, okay, so like, for example, they, what's the cause of this flight when they investigated? It was pilot error. I mean, it was flying, it was it was unintentionally flying into a thunderstorm and being struck by lightning, but they still called it pilot error because the pilot should have refused to fly. But no, you can't right. put that on the exactly. Pilots. But you pressured him to. Exactly. Yeah. You pressured him to. And there is that's real. Like that pressure is still very, very, very mm. real. Um, and you so like if you have a flight where they're saying like we're not gonna fly, we had a day. We had a day in Buffalo where um, there was intense fog, like, but truly incredible fog that went from Buffalo to Detroit. So, like, I have no idea what was going on, but we had fog and they had fog in Detroit. So, whatever was happening in the atmosphere, it was really extreme. And so, our flights were delayed. But in the meantime, there were a ton of flights diverting to us, right? right? So planes that were meant to land in other places were landing in Buffalo because unfortunately or fortunately, Buffalo has a longer runway Mm -hmm. than other other uh, airports in the area. So they were diverting to us. I'm just going to say right now, we don't have the manpower to deal with that. (laughs) So that wasn't not not like a, a... something that we were able to make comfortable for everybody we just weren't going to make be able to make that day better yeah. for for all y'all and i just remember that we had a um, plane that was meant to fly to detroit and there are clearances for pilots depending on their experience and their training so the co-pilot of our flight that was meant to go to detroit didn't have permission to land a plane if she wasn't able to see the runway to a certain extent. Like there's something, it's another conversation, but there's visual flight rules and there's instrument flight rules. So if you, some people, uh, a captain, obviously like many pilots are um, trained and certified to fly the plane and land a plane without being able to see the runway at all using just their instruments um but she didn't have that training she did not have that training and so there was a ton of pressure on them to just go anyway right like the pilot can do it and or the captain can do it and like this and that no it was against the rules and other planes we had were taking off right because we had to wait for the fog to clear enough for her to be able to fly the aircraft right that's the rules and I really appreciated that she was yeah, not ashamed was say, that of that. So like she was just like, especially being a woman. She was exactly. She was so good like, job. Just point blank about it. She was just like, these are the rules. 
I'm not sorry that I'm not 10 years yeah. older. Like, I'm not sorry that I, like, I worked for the airline and they trained me and yeah, this like is the training they've provided me. nothing to do with that, like that ability. Right. Right. Exactly. So, um, and I, but people were just like screaming at us because they said like, you're lying. Like other planes are taking off and landing. She's not flying those planes. And <laughs> exactly, exactly. And like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, this is like, if you think of her as a person, yeah. you might reconsider your attitude. But if you think of her as a tool, she's not right, a tool exactly. that can perform that action. Like, you, you shouldn't think of it that way, but if yeah. you insist, you're still wrong. Right. Like, no matter what way you look at it, <sighs> you are in the wrong. Right, right. And again, like, do you want... We will have stories about planes that crashed because of people not having the ability to land the aircraft mm. using instruments only. Or because of the shortcomings of... Yeah instruments right the things that they can't do or and you should never worry like even if you're landing in fog or a storm if you're flying in a storm you shouldn't worry like truly truly there's no reason why these stories should make you worry um they're stories because they're so rare but the reason why you don't have to worry is because your pilot is going to be realistic about what they're capable of doing and no. so don't try to talk them out of it. No, because, I mean, it's not, and again, it's not just your life. It's not, you know, it's, it ripple effects. Like, there's a hundred other people on your flight. That affects a lot of people. So if anything goes wrong, exactly. like, obviously, that's, yeah. you know, you have to get where you're going or whatever. Like, we all have those bad days. We all are those jerks right. at some point. But that, like, flying is not the thing that you want to, like, be a Karen about like it's just not right right and it, like you said that's true because the the pressure can be extremely yeah. intense there was a time where we had <laughs> we had just this plane was like had been delayed I mean truly for like 14 hours waiting for we're waiting for the plane and the crew to come in from New York I believe and I then so it could turn this, around yeah. and fly back to New York right yeah. <laughs> and so we had been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. It was a maintenance delay. So um, other planes had gone between those places. They just had to fix something on the plane. And right off the bat, just let yeah. them fix it. Like, chill out. <laughs> it's a maintenance delay. Don't mess with it. Don't just, and again, you, I understand, you know, you want to be treated with respect by the people working there. And you want to, I mean, I've had I've had bad experiences made worse because the people yeah. working were horrible or difficult to talk to. That's real. Um, and you do want the airline to handle it well, everything like that. But there's, it's, it's not, the plane shouldn't right. fly until yeah, the thing so. is fixed. So, <laughs> yeah, then when it came in, so it came in, it took off from New York. Uh, let's say to come to us that's like a 50 minutes in the air right so it took off from new york um at i mean if the flight was supposed to be was supposed to depart buffalo at like four o'clock in the morning and now the plane is leaving to actually arrive at buffalo so they can, can go back to new york at like 9 or 10 p.m and so we were worried though because another thing is you don't want your pilots 
or your cabin crews to be flying exhausted so there's time limits on how long they can just sit around like how long you can basically keep them from sleeping right (laughs) so we realized that we were going to have like like I think it was like 18 minutes to turn the flight around when that plane landed or it was going to get canceled automatically because the pilots wouldn't be able to fly. Um, they wouldn't be able to take off again because yeah. they would have to go on rest, right? <laughs> and so we're like waiting and waiting and waiting and like praying that it doesn't like have to go around a thousand times and like hoping the pilots will be down. Because if the pilots just said, no, it's too close to the line, we're not doing it, that would be okay. And that would be well within their right. It would be absolutely fine. It just meant that we were going to get right. our heads ripped off by all these people. So... <laughs> then the the plane lands and I remember going down to the jet bridge to like open the door and we like are bursting like we're right there like the flight attendant and pilot were like waiting to talk to me and I was waiting to talk to them and like when we opened the door we were both just like can this plane go we have time and it was like and they were just like yeah tell them we're not gonna clean tell them we're not gonna clean we're like yeah we'll, we'll tell them so like there and they were like just like saying bye everybody bye to the people who were on the plane like get off faster grandma like, let's go and i just remember when i right 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 exactly and so like as they're unloading people i was just like sweet we're gonna go we're, we're this plane's happening this flight is happening like you're taking off and they're like we don't want to sleep in buffalo, buffalo. please go buffalo. Buffalo. we were like yeah perfect smart guy <laughs> So we, uh, and I just remember like the relief of, you know, having them uh, actually, because if there's like all these like lines where it would become like overtly illegal, where it's not the pilot's judgment anymore, you know? And so we're like rushing everybody on the plane and we were like, we like over the intercom, like we will leave without you. This plane is going to depart in eight minutes, depart in eight minutes. Like you must be here now. We will leave you. And we could say stuff like that. We couldn't say stuff like that on gel, but at Delta we could. So... (laughs) Um, and then yeah, oh we went and it was just such a relief. But that, again, yeah. that's a ton of pressure, right? And that's like a fun story because we were all on the same side and wanted the same thing to happen. But like, why yeah. did I want the pilot to do that? Even though he's, I'm sure, actually very tired after sitting in the airport for 13 hours, right? I wanted it because yeah. there's so much pressure to get the planes out. And some of that's from the passengers and right. a lot of it's right. from the yeah, company. Exactly. Right, because, I mean, at the end of the day, like, it is difficult. Like, passengers make things difficult a lot of times. But in no way do they have enough information to make a decision or to, like, I just hope that airplane and, like, air aviation workers, you know, and especially customer service aviation workers, like, just, it, it has no merit, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like when you complain when you're doing all these things like when you're you know being pushy and doing it like it doesn't matter like i we do not care about your opinion on if this flight should go i get it whatever it doesn't matter like yeah i don't know it just right it's frustrating when people complain for no reason i guess yeah it's like you know everybody on this plane is like it's not just you well, right. And the only thing, unfortunately, really, truly, the only thing that's going to like that you're all, the only thing you can cause is like you can cause the person yeah. working there to have a worse day. Like you can't say right. something that's going to make the plane fly. You can't say something that's going to make the pilots have or taken out now. There's nothing you can do. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. 
so it, it is like an immovable object that you're like throwing yourself against and like yelling oh my and screaming so much but well let us all have a will yeah. to live like our beloved uh what was her name oh juliana juliana kopka yeah um who's the director wurzel mm. heisberg nope. do you know who i'm talking about he's like a famous german um famous german filmmaker hold on i'm gonna look it up uh, not gonna find it. <laughs> Wurzel whoopadoop. Wurzel. Um. Wetzel's pretzels. Is um, yes, Wetzel's pretzels. Um, who is is Ty there? Oh wait, I'm gonna find it. Werner Werner Herzog. Yeah, Werner Herzog. Herzgov. Herzgov. I don't know. I don't watch movies. <laughs> Apparently, he's famous. And he was meant to be on that plane. He was supposed to be on that flight, that exact flight, and had something change. And so he didn't fly on it. And so then he made a documentary movie thing about oh, wow. um, Juliana Kopka. I hope she got yeah. so much money for that. I mean, she's so, an amazing scientist. So that's a good. Yeah, I don't. I hope. I hope she gets. I think, in fact, she does good. get to live like very comfortably because of her, you know, books and speaking tours and things like that. Because she's yeah. very interesting to hear yeah, talk. Right? Yeah. It's very. <laughs> she Unique had an extremely, story. just, yeah, yeah, like a truly, truly Lord. unique story. So, yeah, yeah. I'm glad I got to tell it. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. Thank you you so much, Mariah. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Pod Crashed. If you noticed anything that we got wrong, any details we left out, or you just want to have a chat, Uh, You can reach us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Uh, My mom did uh, offer a correction from last week, uh, the episode about Delta Flight 1080-1080. She um, understands engineering and mechanics better than I do, and so when she heard me refer to a bolt that had broken that ultimately caused the um, problems on that flight Uh, she understood that that didn't really make a lot of sense and uh, pointed out that it was actually a bearing that had uh, corroded and worn down and broken so if you noticed anything else uh, please feel free to let us know if you are enjoying these stories um, please consider letting other people know. Again, thank you so much for listening. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.